Welcome to the Weekly Hook, the podcast where we usually have one of us choosing a topic they're hooked on and the other one has no idea what's coming. But today we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, but, but we're your hookers, Chris and Richard. And today we're just going to talk about Wakanda forever. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it how it is. We both knew the the movie was coming out and we wanted to talk about it. So here we are. Um, but first, find us wherever you get your podcasts and at seriallyhook.com where you can get all our latest info and also be sure to subscribe while you're at it. After this, we're going to take a brief, brief break at Serially Hooked, but we'll be back in two weeks with more weekly hooks, Star Wars discussions and D&D. So, Rashad, Wakanda forever. It's I, I first I want to acknowledge that this is this movie is an impossible task, right? You've had the incredible success of Black Panther, not just commercially but also culturally speaking, and it's just been a huge movie. And following up on that is incredibly difficult for one and second, of course the death of Chadwick Boseman, um, which was very sad. And uh, they obviously, uh, you know, talk about it in the movie as well. And so those two things obviously impacted the movie. The production was was obviously very difficult because of of, uh, Boseman's death as well that apparently came as a surprise to to all of the people involved who didn't know about his sickness and um yeah i i think just just it's fair to the movie to acknowledge this in the first like in the beginning before we actually start the discussion but i want to just hear what you know what you what your initial thoughts are your general impressions yeah, so this movie had to accomplish things on three levels. One, on an individual level, uh, representing the, you know, or following the, as you mentioned, the path, the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Two, and this is the thing you didn't mention, as a Marvel movie and with its place <laughs> yeah. within um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And of we'll course. talk about the effects of that specific tier on the film itself and the quality of the film itself. And three as a follow-up to a cultural phenomenon and representation of my uh, like African um, you know, depictions of cinema on television and within the, you know, the aforementioned MCU. So I think in my opinion, if you're going to ask me, uh, did it fail or succeed on those two, on those three things? I, I think it most successfully was succeeded as the, as point number one, as a, mm-hmm. as an ode to Chadwick Boseman. Um, I think in terms of point number two, I think um, the Marvel, in my mind, that seemed like superfluous add-ons to this film weighed it down to a certain extent and um, disturbed the quality and the flow of the film itself. And number three, it's impossible to follow up the, the cultural phenomenon that was Black Panther 1, but I think that um, in... In doing in in following up 
its own success, I think it succeeded at being a Black Panther film. In that makes sense. Mm. If that, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that what made this what made this movie strong was the aspects of Black Panther. What made this movie weak were the aspects of Marvel. And yeah. I think as a movie overall, I think it's quite a good film. I don't think as a quality film, it's one of the best Marvel films out there, um, or you know, even close to the best superhero films ever made. I think it's one of the. It is the most emotional Marvel movie ever made, and that's not hard to beat. But I think <laughs> it is, and in my mind, what I think is phenomenal about this film is that I found it completely in dialogue with its audience because it knows why it's there and it knows why the audience is there. And that's why it begins with the passing of Chadwick Boseman. The emotional climax of the film are shots of Chadwick Boseman in the first Black yeah. Panther film. Oh like it is, you can feel that it is all about him. And even though the characters go through their own journeys and I love Shuri becoming Black Panther. I love that's the choice that they made. Like, it's kind of cool to see that. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that a little bit moving forward. We will talk about that moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think that, you know, the positives uh, were quite good and there were some things left to be desired. And um, I think that's, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the film for sure. I'll definitely see it again when it comes on Disney plus. Um, and I am very excited to talk about this with you today. Yeah. I think it's, it's no surprise that I just didn't really think about the Marvel aspect of it in, in that term, because that is obviously a very strategically important factor here and again my bias as is well known in this podcast is that i don't care about marvel at all i like i really really liked black panther this is that's why i watched this one in the cinema which is a first for me first marvel movie i watched in the cinema and um yeah i i agree that the marvel stuff was the weakest points of this movie and you know i i'm sure there were some that i didn't catch but some of the tie-ins i d definitely was aware of and i was like yeah okay i get what they're doing here but whatever and um i don't know i feel like this one yeah i i think listening to you i feel a little bit less positive but still like it's not like I hated this movie. I, I think it was enjoyable to watch. Uh, definitely emotional in many ways, and yeah, I just uh, I'm just I, I'm just excited to talk to uh, to you about this. And um, yeah, I don't I don't know how you how you want to do this. Uh, yeah, go through things, or sure, probably talked about this before. <laughs> We're a master at preparation. Yes, we're so good. Can you believe this is like our 150th episode or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> we're so good at this. But what I was going to say is I want to point out that I don't think I'm negative on this film. I know it might have come across as negative, but what my tone is, is, is intentionally measured because it's a sensitive topic and I don't want to yeah. misspeak. And I did enjoy the film. Uh, I think also coming off of our conversations of Andor, it's a different level of emotional involvement and and quality as well. I think, um, I mean, I, I, 
if we had to rank this movie versus the first season of Andor, I think both of us would take the first season of Andor, <laughs> no matter how much we enjoyed this film. But yeah. uh, I, I want us to be kind of clear about the fact that we, you know, where we are and where we stand. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely. do enjoy this film. I did really enjoy it. I love the Namor stuff. I love, um, you know, the underwater city, which I forget the name already because in the Talocan. comics it's Atlantis. Talokan, thank you so much. And I, I, I love a lot of that that goes on. Um, and I, I do like where it's leading to the future. Um, and what's going to happen moving down the line. Uh, I think it set up some interesting stuff as well. So, uh, yeah. And the, the performances, holy crap. Like Angela yes. Bassett kills it kills in this it. movie. Kills it. She is so good. And I think actually that's another negative for me. I should probably post well, I'm a positive person. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that another negative is that after she, spoiler alert, gets killed, the movie does lose it, lose its edge a little bit. Like it loses mm. an ingredient that I think made it incredible. Um, but uh, she is a star that just makes, she holds the emotional weight of this movie so well. And I think that without her, Shuri, if Shuri was left alone to carry this entire movie, I think it would have um, been a disservice to, you know, the film as a whole. But yeah. I think that in the end, um, the journey of Shuri as a character and her ascending to the Black Panther throne, I think was good. I really enjoyed it. I found a part of it coming out of nowhere a little bit. I found her, um, her rage and anger sort of come somewhat of a surprise i mean mm -hmm. or not a surprise but it, it, it seemed unfounded in a way in her earlier character developments obviously they have the surprise sequence where in i, I won't get into that i guess now but uh it's it's a, it, i found it good but i think it was a little bit eh, what's going on mm -hmm. but i think with as with all things we should do our top four scenes and unless you didn't prepare that at all <laughs> i definitely did not prepare that uh, oh great <laughs> um okay <laughs> um I mean, we can take a big brief break and i can make a top four that's not not a problem should we do that okay we'll take a break pause there and we'll be back oh man so yeah i have a few more things you know big picture stuff before we get into our usual top four um do you have anything that you want to add before i go into another uh, monologue <laughs> uh, I'm. I have. I have many big picture thoughts. Uh, I'm. Sh I'm sure one. Uh, w some of them are going to come up as we're talking about our top fours. I just want to say that from from a you know handcraft sort of thing. I, I. I think I don't know about you. You know, some of the writing wasn't as good, and also there was a pacing issue. Obviously, this movie is very long and. You know, there are definitely some scenes that could have been just cut or at least shortened. But I also thought, and that I think is an editing issue, they just didn't give some of the scenes the space. They just immediately cut to action and just two, three seconds more to fizzle out the scene and give us a moment to digest what just happened. It's not big emotional moments, but just in terms of info taking in information uh that it was very fast paced in some instances and in a way i don't mind fast pace but it's just done in a way that 
was a little disorienting, I thought. And so, yeah, that was that I was kind of on a technical level, not happy about, but, um, and I have like some more fundamental things later on, but I also, you know, I want to hear your monologue now. (laughs) Not a big monologue, but a question for you. Do you have a specific example? Yeah, the one thing that I was thinking about was um, Koye and I forget the other guard when who visits her, who gets the knives from Shuri. Um, she visits Okoye after she's um, only a civilian. And they talk about something and then some, you know, the water starts pouring in and Okoye says oh, we're under attack. And then immediately, a second after, the one, the first explosion happens. And I thought, just give us two more seconds with that of anticipation or something like that. But instead, it just, she said, she literally says, oh, we're under attack. And what felt like half a second later, the, the first thing explodes. And I'm just, okay, this is too quick. Uh, that was one of the I think there are three, four more moments like that where it's literally a matter of two or three seconds, and it yeah I I was just like I just could feel myself being a little bit like fr- I could feel myself frowning at that pacing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's um uh it undercuts the emotionality of some scenes as well in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in that particular case, I think, yeah, it's, you want to build some anticipation in some ways, but it's, it's about cut, trimming fat in some ways, because at the end they have to cut down this movie is already extraordinarily long film. Sure. And I think that they should have made cuts in other places and not exactly. In those <laughs> so I, that's, I totally that's agree. That's my issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think for me, some of the, the things that, um, miss for me were, um, some of the humor, I think sometimes mm-hmm. it hit, sometimes it really missed. Um, I didn't find it as funny as the first Black Panther, for example. Um, oh, yeah. And that was a that was a little bit of a disappointment because, you know, one of the things I like about going to a Marvel film, especially in its co- modern iteration, is the humor that comes in. And that was a little bit lacking in this movie. I think also some of the set piece choreography was a little bit weak and you could see mm-hmm. the seams. And I... So much. Yeah, it just especially the last climactic battle... very stupid idea very clunky the choreography was weird it didn't feel Mm. natural at all like it i mean there is a point where you know it is we have to kind of like reconcile with the fact that some films are just going to be inferior in terms of what they can do in terms of like how it's shot and how it's thought through um in terms of the the place of marvel within the the wider cinema scope uh but you know, there have been Marvel sequences and movies that have been beautifully done and great choreography and great fight sequences. And this movie really did lack in that. And I wonder to what extent that is because of the the odd uh, underwater, above water dynamic that you have to deal with. Um, but it is something that is, you know, it just doesn't seem as thought through and, and, and defined in that way. But I like some of the big, big picture stuff of this movie um i not a huge fan i'm sure you i'm sure you are not as well of Ironheart. oh i hated <laughs> that so much 
I think that is sorry sorry I'm going to I'm now I'm going to rant because this is the epitome of why I hate Marvel it is so unimaginative at so many times it's just more and more of the same thing and that for me was the point where if I had anything to flip I would have flipped it like good thing I didn't watch this on my laptop because that would have been broken either thrown out of the window or smacked against the wall because that was just are you kidding me another iron man soon suit That's bullshit. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But this time it's a young black girl. <laughs> yeah, great. Also, also, Riri, they don't know what to do with her at all. She's there and then she's just an absolutely unnecessary add-on in most of the scenes. I think the o the only other scene in like the the beginning in Cambridge, okay, that's fine. That's their mission and later on obviously when when Ramonda sacrifices herself to save her that is emotionally incredibly impactful but uh, the rest of the time she's just there useless and okay she is she takes she takes part in the fight and she is a genius just like shuri is but just from a character standpoint what are they doing with her they don't know Yeah, it was quite bad. And in this sense, you see the Marvel business machine coming in because yeah. they have an Ironheart show coming out. And that's oh what they want to do. So they put a character in here just for that. And that's where it is quite disappointing, uh, honestly. They tried to make this like a Spider-Man introduction in um, Civil War, but it completely fell fell because there was no added value to her she wasn't funny she wasn't interested she wasn't she mm -hmm. just was there in the background kind of useless and i totally agree that we did not need her in this in this show or in this movie in this movie yeah also i don't know like the humor yeah i i, I don't know every colonizer line was still funny I thought Yeah, like, I mean that stuff was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's always funny. Yeah. Um I agree some of the humor just didn't land for me. And Uh, I mean, all of the political commentary, either explicitly or implicitly, about colonial. I mean, we're going to talk about this later, obviously, but like about colonialism, whether that's uh, based in Africa or in uh, um, the Americas. Uh, I love that. I love the so many, so many other things as well. Like, I don't want to come off as the person who hated this movie. I just have a lot of issues with it, and yeah, I think. That last action set piece that you that you were talking about, the big climactic battle, that is exactly why I. It is one of the one of the reasons that I think Marvel is just okay. They have this big epic fight scenes, but it's just too much. It's disorienting. You kind of you kind of have like the a lot of things happen, and it's just huge in scope. I mean, of course, it can get even even bigger and bigger and bigger on a galactic level, even in Marvel. But even this, I thought, okay, and it's also a weird plan to have it on the sea. And I also, I'm sorry to say, I'm not entirely happy about the whole underwater thing. I think underwater stuff is mostly awkward and I could feel it here as well. I think visually it was kind of nice at some points and Talokan I, I enjoyed having, I mean, I'm just going to, okay, I feel like we're talking around this, but why don't, why don't you make them like turquoise greenish? Why does it have to be the same, literally the same blue as Avatar? Oh. I don't get it. <laughs> I hated that so much. And like visually otherwise with the feathers and like the algae or whatever, that was fine. That was absolutely fine. Just like 
why make their skin blue? Why does, can't it be more on the green side, like with a green tint? Just have them visually different to Avatar, which incidentally or not so incidentally is also coming out in a few weeks or months or whatever. And it's just, no, just no. So that that's just like, again, big picture. I had a huge issue with that. So that is also something that detracted from my enjoyment of this movie. The idea of it, and especially, you know, the connection to Spanish colonialism and um, the use of the Mayan language, I love that. That was so good. Um, uh, but just, yeah, I think some of the choices there from a design and visual perspective, just no. And with that... <laughs> <laughs> Let's move into our top four scenes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so what is your top number four? So my number four is when uh, um, at the funeral for Angela Bassett's character, um, mm. the Jabari leader. Also, if you've been listening to our D&D, that, this episode, <laughs> that was completely unintentional. I did not think uh. about that at all. <laughs> so I apologize to everyone in the world for that. You apologize to the Jabari. <laughs> yes, in particular, who clearly are the MVP of Wakanda yes. always because they're cool. And when the, his, the leader comes up to Shuri and kind of gives her words of wisdom and talks to her and kind of guides her in the right direction and kind of questions her and her motives and what she will do in, in the wake of this sacrifice. And I, I just found that very affecting. It, it came kind of came out of nowhere. Um, mm. In terms of like, they haven't set him up in this episode earlier on as a wise figure in many ways. I mean, there are a couple council scenes where, I mean, if they had followed his advice, <laughs> things would have gone <laughs> a little bit better. But I, I, I just really like this dynamic because it is the turning point for a couple things. One, for sort of the end as the Jabari, as his, that leader ends up becoming the king of Wakanda. And two, Shuri kind of showing her rage side a little bit more and going kind of on the direction that will define her character arc through the, through the episode, through the, through the movie. I keep talking about this in episodic format as if it's like a TV show. But Yeah, we talked a lot about Andor in the last few weeks. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> it's been so much. But I think that this is important because... It, it goes to my point about Shuri's character arc in this movie because it seems that she's two people. And she is a person up until this moment and then a person from here on out in terms of mm. she doesn't exhibit many rage. She has much rage. She doesn't exhibit much anger in that way up until this moment. Instead, she represents more of a generational sh shift and moving away from traditional methods to kind of adopting technology. And how do you balance that? So, you know, that simple question of can we have technology and culture? It, Marvel doesn't have an answer to that apparently because they keep bringing up that question but <laughs> yeah. in this case she has that that journey the first half of the film and then the second I guess in the third act she exhibits that rage that is kind of teased in this scene so I felt this is a really really interesting scene and I like their back and forth and I, I look forward to them you know those two characters working more in hand moving forward so I, I'm excited about that I'm excited about that yeah, that is a great scene. I was I was close to picking it myself. And yeah, I think going back to your comment about the rage, I think, yeah, I think it would have been way more effective if they had shown it throughout in many different scenes, except, except they just do it now in the ones where they explicitly talk about it. Um, 
so that was another nitpick from my side. I love Mbaku in this. I mean, I've I've loved him in the first movie, but here even more so. I think Winston Duke does an amazing performance on par with, uh, maybe not on par with, uh, <laughs> um, you know, with Angela Bassett. But you know, if we're talking about great performances, Letitia Wright, Henoch Quetta, uh, and and Winston Duke definitely all nail it. And he's just really great throughout this movie. I really liked him. And the words of wisdom that fall on deaf ears a lot of the time, unfortunately, are great. But in this scene in particular, it's very moving. And yeah, as you said, kind of push Shuri towards, you know, go go or away from vengeance at all cost. And I, I love that a lot. Um, yeah, sadly, I don't have any Mbaku scenes in my top four. Spoiler. Um, but I really enjoyed him as a character. And yeah, my number four. I had a tough time deciding between two uh, scenes. So I'm just going to pick both of them in good old Chris top four fashion. Um, <laughs> because they had two, two, you know, commentaries on politics in an in a institutional level. One is the scene in the UN. That is intercut with the the uh, attempted raid, mm-hmm. um, just a real power move on Ramonda's part, and uh, you know, looking at you, France, and uh, that was that was really <laughs> that was really great, and like talking about yeah, we don't we don't hide vibranium from you because of vibranium, but because of you. Thought was that was great, and later on when um, Martin Freeman's character talks about. I shudder to think what would happen if the US was the only country in the world that had vibranium and his ex, who is the director of the CIA, says, uh, oh, I dream of that. And that just, again, nails nails some uh, political points there. And yeah, I just enjoyed that. Um, you know, just talking about, very clearly comment on politics nowadays and... Yeah, that was just very great. Yeah, that's a great sequence. I didn't pick that at all. Um, I didn't really think about it too much in terms of like, because I went with a lot of emotional stuff in this ep- in yeah. this uh, movie, um, I guess rightfully so. Uh, but I did find, you know, anytime that Wakanda interacts with more quote-unquote traditional powers of the world, I do find mm-hmm. that really fun and kind of dunking on traditional colonial powers and as the, as they're you know representative of in in so many ways. So yeah, I just love that sequence and it was really funny in the end as they brought in the um you know the French soldiers turning to the French yeah. ambassador and just being oh, je vous en prie and I was like yes. <laughs> so what's the number three? Uh, my number three is um, Angela Bassett and Shuri sitting at the side of the river talking about grief and the ceremony mm-hmm. with burning the uh, not the, the funeral clothing. Mm-hmm. I just found their back and forth absolutely incredible and sort of the heart of the sh- heart of the film. And because it cross sex grief with um, generations as well which i think that this is kind of the culmination of these two characters and what this show this movie is trying to get come across or give across or portray Mm -hmm. and 
is so is so beautifully lit with the lit with the yellow or the orange light of the fire by the river and just them sitting there and contemplating death and grief and how do you kind of move past it and how do you move down your life um, in the face of struggling with that um, emotional weight and baggage that will kind of um, hamper you throughout. So I found this just an incredibly emotional and moving sequence and something that is just, you know, combines a lot of the themes and, and, and goals of what this movie was supposed to be. Yeah. It's a great scene that I think, you know, it's, it's one of the few scenes that are kind of calm and obviously that changes as soon as Namor shows up, but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that as well. Um, my number three is Ramonda stripping Okoye of her rank as general uh, because I thought it was, first of all, stellar performance. Again, you know, knocking it out of the park. But especially that, you know, the reasoning that Ramonda gives and, you know, the emotionality of it saying, you know, I am queen, I have the power, but still everybody in my family is gone, either dead or missing. And just, you know, take, you know, <laughs> stripping Okoye because she, you know, it was her responsibility, it was her idea to take Shuri with her and, you know, she failed to protect her. And it's also very you know, emotional from her perspective, obviously, who has dedicated her life to the service of of the, um, you know, Wakanda royalty. And just, I think, a great scene that tells you so much about both of those characters. Yeah, wow. That's the emotional climax of the entire film, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> they knew what they were doing, putting it in the trailer, because it is so good. And mm. it was, I just love that sequence so much. And it's kind of misleading in the putting in the trailer because like, you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen to Shuri? But yeah. I wish I hadn't seen it before, but it was just I didn't. So, good. <laughs> so good. I think the problem is, I mean, I normally forget everything that I see in trailers, but this trailer was so good. So I saw it like 10 times. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I want, I meant to, I meant to watch it before we started recording, but then I forget, forgot. You so never I... watched the, the, even the first trailer to Black Panther, Wakanda forever. No. Oh my God. Oh my God. All right. We're going to take a break now, everybody. Chris is going to watch <laughs> the thing and we're going to come back. So hold on okay. tight. All right. See you in a second. Okay. So what do you think of the trailer, Chris? Uh, I mean, very powerful. It's it's great. Um, I think it, what it nails is to show how much this movie is centered about the women uh, on the women. Yeah. Um, it really nails that, um, and yeah, obviously, very affecting the the one line that I also just quoted um, from Ramonda and and. Yeah, visually, you know, a spectacle, of course. I want to ask you, though, did you notice the Kendrick Lamar? Uh, That's why I thing? made you stop. <laughs> That's why I made you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, great tra great trailer. But again, I'm very happy that I didn't watch that uh, before seeing the movie. Yeah, that trailer, I think it's probably the best trailer ever made by Marvel. And mm -hmm. I think was like, 
it was just so affecting that I just I, I think I watched it once a week for the past like two months. <laughs> it was so good, well, and it just got me super hyped for the film. So I think yeah. that's the reason I only remembered that one quote. I forgot every other scene in that trailer. Also, the um, the emotion of it, like just again, Angela Bassett, MVP of this movie, and and just the emotionality with which she says that is so so touching. You can so feel what she's going through. Well, join us on Serially Hooked as we talk about trailers after the movie came out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's kind of my MO, to be fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just such a good trailer. I had to make you pause and watch it. Plus the Kendrick Lamar, so great. Yeah. (laughs) Where were we? Yeah, I was seeing the same. Uh, I think it was my number three, Ramonda stripping Okoye of her rank as general. And that entire scene, so powerful and emotionally affecting. And what is your number three? I think, did we talk about this? Yes. We did. So my number two is the uh, shocking Killmonger shows up scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that on your list? Nope. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, Shuri eats the uh, oh, the purple heart. I forget what it's called. And she uh, wakes up in the afterlife and I guess the ancestral plane and she sees Killmonger. Hmm. The only legitimate shock in the film that I've seen. So, I was really shocked no. by that. And I think that was even more so because we hadn't really seen Shuri be angry or aggressive in a way so i thought that was really Mm -hmm. effective and also michael b jordan is just so freaking good because also like you thought to yourself who's she gonna see who's she gonna see and there's no way it's gonna be obviously chadwick boseman and maybe i assumed it was gonna be angela bassett but the fact that it was killmonger just made things so effective and i i I loved it set in motion her anger moving forward but Mm. i felt that you know it was it, it was like a little bit strange but i think it was just super shocking michael b jordan comes in kills it changes the entire tenor of the movie makes it super intense makes you really think that anything could happen and i like how shuri when she comes out of it is embarrassed by this by this and is unwilling <laughs> to tell anyone because i mean wouldn't yeah. you so yeah just a great i love that scene I, I thought it was incredible so yeah so good it's a great scene and I th- I agree it was the only shocker in this film. I just found myself when I watched it I kind of just had the meta point of oh that's a that's a great narrative choice. Not so I was kind of it was so good that it kind of pulled me out of the movie for a second. Um which is weird because there there were other points throughout the movie that 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 happened when I just could see okay here's a plot point here's the plot point we're in this arc this and this and this, which I would say is a negative. This one, I would say it is a positive. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's it's an incredibly affecting scene. It tells you a lot about Shuri, where she's at, where she's going. And yeah, Michael B. Jordan, just so charismatic, so good. And yeah, just a great monologue as well. Yes, such a good sequence. What's your number two? My number two is Ramonda's death. Um, because, you know, obviously she sacrifices herself for, to save Riri. Stupid and... decision. <laughs> yeah, but it's all, you know, it is the, uh, you know, for the, for a future. 
uh, you know, she is quite old, like, you know, in the terms of she, in a way, makes way for the next generation. Um, not intentionally, I would say, but that's effectively what, what happens here. Um, I also liked the comparison to T'Challa, that both of them could not be saved by Shuri or anyone else. Um, and yeah, I think just, and again, like from an acting perspective and emotional impact, seeing Shuri's reaction being held back as well by M'Baku uh, and just also from, you know, great acting here as well. Great, great emotions. And yeah. I, I just, I just, yeah, maybe not the best kind of choice from Ramonda, but again, narratively and, you know, storytelling and acting, everything great about the scene. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so effective. Uh, I mean, it is another shock in a way. I didn't really expect her to die in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so, so often, so often does a film pull a punch. And, you know, you see someone get away for the last second. And for the second, you thought that was going to happen here. But I think it was really cool to kind of kill her in that way. And it just also upped the ante with Namor in particular and mm-hmm. what he can do and his ferocity and his, his willingness to do what it takes to survive or protect his people. And Loki, we haven't talked about it too much. And I don't know if it's your number one scene, but it's not in mine. But Namor is a really good villain. I think yes. he was really interesting. He had a cool backstory. I like how he survived and he's going to move on and see what happens. Um, I think they know what they had with Namor and they set his motivations up quite well by demonstrating, you know, his city and his people. And they have a, a level of, you know, uh, background to him, which I think they gave a good amount of the, the movie to. So in, mm-hmm. in terms of one of the things that the movie did really well was establish Namor as a really good villain and potential collaborator with Wakanda moving forward. So mm-hmm. it'll be an interesting, it's kind of a Loki-ish, not not in the sense that it has any humor or anything like that. But, uh, and actually that's my only one negative is that he has no humor. But <laughs> it is that, you know, he could be, a he could actually, you could see a world in which he actually cooperates with people moving forward. And I wonder mm. what's going to happen there. I would also like to point out that I have no idea of all of the Loki references. What you that you just made, uh, I can I can assume, but uh, I, I have. No, I mean, that's fine. I mean, Tom Hiddleston, <laughs> Tom Hiddleston as Loki was was probably like the well regarded as the best villain on in Marvel. Uh, I think that's just because yeah. um, his ability to oh. kind of be a villain, but then also work with the team or work with some mm. people, and kind of his background and his narrative and his emotional complexity and all these things that you often don't see mm. in villains. Yeah, I just realized, scratched that. I watched Thor Ragnarok. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's def- he was definitely one of the best parts of that movie. So there you go. Uh, so, but what's your number one? My number one has to be has to be the opening funeral sequence. It just it mm. is. I mean, mm-hmm. it is everything that this movie needed to be and it needed to do this at the beginning it addressed the elephant in the room it was beautiful it was probably in my mind the most well thought out part of the entire movie (laughs) the visuals the depictions of the cultural resonances in wakanda like all these things the mural of chadwick boseman the dances the garb like every single thing every single little thing that made this sequence so beautiful and emotional and it carried an emotional weight of real life onto the screen and 
I mean, from the opening, like the Marvel like credits, opening Marvel credits that are purple and just show like scenes of of Chadwick Boseman and everything else, and just it was so good. And the funeral sequence just hammered everything home, and I thought it was just stunning from from beginning to end. So I I just yeah, that has to be my number one because it is the most important thing that happened in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It was visually beautiful emotionally very very well done as well i think for me personally i you know the funeral was amazing the procession the the entire sequence of it the you know the glimpses you get of wakandan culture here as well um but what did it for me was the that going into the uh, T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman flashback scenes to, into the Marvel logo. That combination just killed it for me emotionally. Um, yeah, it, was it was so very good. affecting. It so was really effective. good. Oh, and my rice cooker is done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not my number one. It is the, uh, one of the, the scene that you were just talking about with uh, Namor. It is at the very end, um, the back and forth between Shuri and Namor, uh, when uh, Shuri, in in her feat of revenge, still her compassion, her empathy prevail when she sees the similarities between the two, which goes back to their first conversation um, between you know when they when they <laughs> ostensibly after shuri has been uh, taken underwater uh, to tolkan and you know they talk about similarities and oppression and colonialism but here you you see that you know you, you, and it is i think it is a little bit heavy handed at t- just a little bit but i think just also visually how they represent how similar the the two of them and their experiences are i thought was really well done uh, maybe like five percent too much but still great maybe it was the music or something but um who am i to criticize ludwig Göransson, mm-hmm. um who also did an incredible soundtrack and i just i just loved that because you know throughout the movie shuri is very much um focused on her vengeance on her revenge and in the uh, you can see it you know as you mentioned before with mbaku and other things happening that just prodded her <laughs> a little bit but um here it prevails and you know it's also a great message uh on on you know uh on the grand scheme of things somewhat undercut na- later when <laughs> when namor also um explains his rationale to his underling um about oh yeah like strategically it's super it's uh, it's very smart uh which you know both can be true and uh, yeah i just thought that that was really well done really well handled because we, it because it comes immediately after that thing where shuri just has like oh fuck it i'm gonna possibly die here as well but i still want to get my revenge and you know she obviously um you know uh exits with a spear wound and b- blows up the um the transport and burns namor and is about to 
kill him with a spear. But then, you know, she thinks of, she has this flash. And I think it's just, you know, well handled. Yeah, incredible. I have no no additions. I think it's great. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there are so many good things about this movie. And I, I kind of sad that we began it on a negative note. But I think that this movie was really good. Um, it wasn't, you know, great. And it had its flaws, and we didn't even talk about all the side stuff in the U.S. and the politics and like the spy yeah. and uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, who's great, but what is she doing in this movie? All these other things, <laughs> uh, and uh, indicative of a movie that had too many things going for it. But here we yeah. are; it's uh, the end of uh, Marvel Phase Five, and we'll see what goes on moving forward. Uh, you won't, but I will. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a good movie and enjoyable for sure. Yeah, I think though, I mean, yes, we started off with a lot of negativity, but I think it kind of resembles my feelings about and thoughts about this movie. I think it is a mixed bag. There are great things about it, but there are also things that I just didn't like straight up or that I just had issues with. And that's fine, you know? Something can still be enjoyable and good, but, you know, if you criticize something about it doesn't mean you hated it yeah so sure. yeah exactly we talk um, about we criticize the things that we love on this podcast all the time all that's the all t- we do. <laughs> yeah that's like our deal except um, <laughs> andor which is apparently perfect so i mean it is people <laughs> watch andor it's really good even if you're not into star wars you don't have to be you still get everything it's fine it's at so this good. point if a non-star wars fan asks me should i watch star wars i'll be just like watch andor that's all you need to yes, watch absolutely yeah it used to be mandalorian but now it's just andor yeah let's go let's keep talking about andor for another hour let's do that <laughs> <laughs> uh we will but it will it'll it'll be in about two weeks time and uh, everybody you know stay tuned for that but Rashad, for now, I want to thank you uh, talking about Wakanda Forever. And thank you so much, dear listener, for participating in it. And if you've enjoyed the show, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. For Rashad, I'm Chris, and talk to you next time. See ya.